listening to the Oracle of Light podcast. I am your host, Shauna DeMellon. Welcome. Grab a warm drink or an iced tea and settle in for the next little while for our discussion around the many layers of grief. At some point, we will all lose someone we love, every one of us. If you haven't experienced this already, you will at some point in your life lose someone that you love. And we each handle grief in our own unique way. And in fact, there is no right way to grieve. There is no wrong way to grieve. There is certainly no timeline to process what we're feeling. Our unique experience with grief is just that. It's unique to each and every one of us. I read for a family of four years ago who had lost a child. And each of those four family members was at a different stage with their grief. And while some people will experience grief in almost a systematic manner, they will move through the different stages of grief one after the other, and it's done, it's complete, they've let go, they're able to move on. Other people, myself included, will perhaps stay in different stages a little bit longer. Uh, we can move from stage to stage to stage as we're, we're navigating our grief. And some people just experience intense sadness and reflection and loneliness. They just stay in one specific stage of grief. And again, there's no playbook for how you are going to grieve someone. And the way that we grieve the different people and even pets, fur babies, children, miscarriage, grandparents, friends, uncles, aunts, spouses, partners, there are myriad of different people that are in our lives that we love, that we have a connection with, that we, we share that kinship, we share, we share that beautiful slice of commonality in that moment in time, however long they're in your life, while they're in physical form. And navigating the grieving process looks different for each and every loss. There have been some losses in my life over the years where I didn't know how I was going to be able to process. I didn't know how I was going to be able to move through the grief, the intense sadness, the, the, the intense, um, the intense feelings of loss. And even as a medium, I've, I've experienced loss. I feel sadness when there's loss in the world. I experience grief. And just because that loved one or that person or that animal, that soul is no longer in a physical body, we have to remember that love never dies, that we are always, always, always connected. And it's important to be able to hold space for someone when they are grieving. If someone is having a difficult time with the loss of a loved one, it's very important for us to be able to hold space 
and offer our support and let them know that we are there, whatever they need to please reach out. It's very important to not put our belief systems onto other people. I've met certain mediums over the years who, you know, their their belief system is so what? They're not in their they're not in their body anymore. So what? You can still connect with them. They're right there. Big deal. And there is something something for me that that was missing when I heard that. I heard that from a few different mediums over the years. We are no longer able to touch that physical body that that soul of our loved one occupied. We're not able to hold them. We're not able to feel their arms wrap around us. We are no longer able to sense them here in this reality. That, that energy is, is vastly different than the energy of them no longer in physical form being on the other side. And so from this space, I'd just like to acknowledge each and every one of you who have had a loss, who have had losses. I know firsthand what that feels like to feel like your heart is just broken into a million pieces, that your heart is just shattered. I completely understand that. When I lost my son, Jack, eight years ago, I didn't think that I would ever recover. I just saw my life in just this, it was almost like this smear of gray. There wasn't really anything that lit me up. There were little moments of joy that would come sprinkled in. One of them was my daughter. Um, one of them was the garden, our little dog, our cat, the clients that I was blessed to work with, friends, being in nature, the roses in my garden. Those were my favorite. And there were little sprinklings of joy in my life. And the rest of it was overshadowed by my grief. And it wasn't until I moved through the grief that I was able to start to see life as this beautiful mosaic of magical possibilities. And I know that sounds totally hokey, <laughs> but it's true. Trust me. It's true. And now, what are the stages of grief? There are as I've seen in my practice over the years and from my own personal experience and research, these are the common stages of grief. And I don't believe that, I don't believe that grief is textbook. I don't believe that we have to go through each of these stages. I don't believe, I've met people that haven't gone through all of these stages. I've met people that have been in one or two of them. I've met people that have gone into one of them and then they're fine. I've met people that have gone into all of them. I've met people that have become stuck. So this is just a guideline. Shock and denial. I know I was in shock for years after I lost my Jack. I was in shock for years. I didn't even realize it. Absolute shock. I can feel like disbelief, shock, denial. No, no, no. It's like you just can't wrap your head around it. It's like you just, you can't, you can't make logical sense of the loss of what happened. This is what was going to happen. This is, this is what was, what was going to um, play out. This is how things were planned. And then to have it gone in an instant, it just feels like it's ripped away. 
and there isn't anything that prepares you for it. There isn't. And not only are we grieving the loss, we're grieving what could have been. We're grieving hopes, dreams, future plans. There's so many different aspects that, that are interwoven within grief. Another stage of grief uh, is the anger and bargaining stage. We get angry. I know angry. I was angry at myself. I was angry at Jack. I was angry at God. I was angry at my spouse at the time. I was angry at everyone. Just, I was just full of venom. I'm so, so angry. And, and I know that whenever someone uh, comes into my practice with a great deal of anger, then underneath that there, there's a loss, there's grief, there's sadness that we need to look at. Bargaining can be, oh, if we'd only gone to the doctor sooner. Bargaining can be, oh, if we'd only acted quicker. Bargaining can be, ah, oh, I shouldn't have gone on that trip. I should have made that last call. I should have, should have, would have, could have. That's what bargaining really looks like. Another stage of grief encompasses pain and guilt. There can be guilt. It can, they, they call it survivor's guilt. If there was an accident and perhaps you survived and you lost your loved one, it can be guilt that you survived, that you have your life, that you are continuing on your journey and they are not. The pain associated with grief, I have felt over the years, it's almost like a wave of grief will come over me. It's like this pocket of grief. And what I've learned over the years is just to sit with it, to find space so that I can sit with it and acknowledge it and allow it to move through me. And I also experience a physical pain in my body when I'm grieving. It's like my entire body aches, my bones, everything is aching and sore whenever I'm grieving. Another stage of grief, we typically find depression, reflection, and loneliness. I study the work of Abraham Hicks, and from their perspective, when we are feeling lonely, when we're missing someone, they say that we're missing having them in our vortex with us. And while I see, I see part of what they're saying, as, as true for me, that I was missing, you know, for example, my son Jack in my vortex. It's, it's not the same. It's not the same. I mean, we, we finally can come to a place of acceptance that our loved one is no longer in their physical body. And that's what we'll talk about next. But I do believe that the loneliness is having that, that physical body, having them here, in that physical body with us is what we miss. We miss being able to reach out and touch them. We miss being able to just sit in the same room with them. We miss picking up the phone and, and hearing their voice. I think that was one of the, um, I think that's one of the biggest things that I've missed over the years with my loved ones. And yes, I'm a medium and I can hear loved ones on the other side, but it's it's not quite the same. Sometimes it comes through crystal clear and other times, depending on the energy, it's a little bit muffled, but it's, it's different. 
it's different. And I'm very blessed and very grateful for my gifts and abilities with mediumship. But it's different. It's There's something magical about picking up the phone and hearing that loved one's voice. There is something unmistakable that that touches your heart when that person sits next to you and holds your hand. There is, there really are no words to be able to hold that child and look into their eyes, count the freckles on their nose. There, there are really no words to have that, that person, that soul, in a physical body. The same is true for my little dog, Jesse. I often told people I didn't realize that he was a dog until after I had my daughter, Emma. <laughs> he was my son. <laughs> he was my fur baby. And after he died, I just felt such an emptiness. I just, I went through all the different stages of grief. You know, maybe we could have done more. Maybe we should have um, done something different. Maybe, you know, coulda, woulda, shoulda. And I was just in shock. It was just, I didn't know what to do with his collar. I didn't know what to do with his little toys. I didn't know what to do with all of his things that were around the house. I just, I didn't know what to do with any of it. It was just, it was heartbreaking. And there, you know, and he still comes to see me in spirit and I can imagine nuzzling him. You know, he's nuzzling my neck. That's what he used to always do. But there is still a difference between having that spiritual energy nuzzling your neck as opposed to a physical body, a little physical red hairy body nuzzling your neck, breathing on your neck and licking your ear. Like there are so many beautiful aspects that that just cannot be replicated when a soul leaves a physical body. And that's what brings me to the final stage of grief, and that is one of acceptance. It may take us a while, but eventually we accept that that loved one is no longer in a physical body. We accept that on a soul level, on a soul level, that our loved one chose to no longer be in that body. And that's very difficult for a lot of people to hear. And after reading for thousands and thousands over the years, it's true. Our soul will decide when, when we're no longer going to stay in a physical body. Perhaps we've reached the end of a contract that we have with our soul, that we came into a lifetime to work on karmic issues, or we came in to work on ancestral issues, or perhaps we came in to, um, you know, uplift humanity, or we came in to be a part of our soul family, to be a part of their, their soul's evolution. Perhaps we came in to heal something like betrayal on a soul level. We came in to heal different aspects of our soul that can only be worked through in this reality, in physical form, in this way. I've often referred to Earth as our soul school. It's like soul lessons. We are here to grow and evolve and shift and change and morph into more of who we truly are. And when a soul chooses to leave the physical body, 
that, again, on a soul level was a choice. And oftentimes when I explain that to people, that eases the grief a little bit for them because they realize, oh, my loved one didn't want to be in a a dying body anymore. My loved one was ready to go. My loved one came in and did what they came to do. They, they helped us to maybe find our purpose. They, they are ready to go and expand their soul in a different way. It can be in a different reality, a different universe, a different galaxy for all we know. But just take heart and know that, know that that love never dies. And that connection is always, always there, always there. And that you can sense and feel your loved ones around you at any time. And now some people, again, they experience the stages of grief in order and they get to acceptance and they move on. Some people may get stuck in their grief and it can even feel like a fog that comes over you. Like I mentioned earlier, I just saw everything sort of colored with this shade of gray. Nothing was really great. Nothing was really horrible. It was just there. And then I had little sprinklings of joy every now and again. Something that people often don't understand is they have a loss. And then over time, they can start to feel even worse. And they start to remember other losses that they've had. And this is how our brain works. This is how it works. If we've lost five loved ones in a lifetime, uh, we will, we can go back and experience the feelings around losing those other loved ones, depending on where we were with the stages of grief with those losses. And so sometimes it can feel, it can feel like a tsunami. It can feel very overwhelming when we are navigating our grief. And anything at all can trigger grief. I call them pockets of grief. And I tell people, you just need to ride the wave. Anything can trigger that. For the longest time, I would, anytime I would see a little boy that looked like Jack or that reminded me of my son, I would just be a mess. I would cry and just be so, so upset. And it would just perpetuate the grief. And I would just feel absolutely horrible. To now... When I see little boys that are, you know, around eight, uh, I'm excited when I see them. I'm just, I think, wow, look at that young man growing up. And it doesn't debilitate me anymore. It it isn't all-consuming. It doesn't break my heart. Because I know that my son is growing up on the other side. I know that he is safe, he's at peace, he brings me heart rocks. If you're new to me, my son Jack always brings heart rocks. I have countless heart rocks in and around the house. And that's his sign for me. You can find out um, more about signs from your children in heaven in my Growing Up in Heaven program. It's on my website at livealifeyoulove.org. You can ask your your loved ones or your children to leave you signs, to give you signs, and to keep showing those signs to you until you get it. Because <laughs> sometimes, sometimes we think we're going to get it the first crack. Sometimes we think, oh, where's my sign? Oh, there's a butterfly. Got it. And maybe it's not butterflies. So I always ask, show it to me a few times to make sure I get it. So if it's a butterfly, I will see that butterfly multiple times in a day. 
multiple times over the course of a few days until I stop and I'm consciously aware, oh, there's a butterfly. Thank you. There's my sign. I ask for signs all the time. Feathers, dimes are from my grandfather. Again, heart rocks are from my son, Jack. They're just little, little sprinklings of love from the other side. Healing our heartache does not mean that we forget our loved ones. And in fact, our loved ones shower us with love from the other side to help us with the feelings of loss that we are experiencing. Our loved ones are not sad that they've left their physical body because remember, it was a choice on a soul level to leave the physical body. They are at peace on the other side. They are not in pain. They are not limited in any way. I always ask loved ones to present themselves at their most happiest time in their life. So sometimes we need to put together the puzzle pieces to figure out who it is in the room. <laughs> there was, there's this, oh, I'll never forget. Um, I was reading for a couple and this woman came through and she was gorgeous. She had creamy, milky white skin and she had this head full of fire red pin curls that were absolutely fantastic and she was wearing this beautiful green dress and she was dancing she was dancing and she was happy and jovial and she kept telling me my name is Ruth tell them it's Ruth tell them it's Ruth and I said okay Ruth is here and I'm describing what I'm seeing and they had no idea who that was and they went home and the next day uh, called me back and said um, it was the husband's grandmother and he said he had never met her, but he said he went, he was talking to his mom on the phone and he explained there was this, a Ruth that came in and she said, oh my God, that's my mother. And then they, uh, they found pictures and she looked exactly, the woman I described was in the pictures and that was at her happiest. They don't want us, our loved ones don't want us to remember them in a hospital bed or, um, you know, in any sort of traumatic time when they, they passed. They don't want us to remember that. They want us to remember happy, joyful memories, even if there, there aren't that many of them, to somehow think of beautiful experiences. Because we have to remember that our thoughts are creating our reality. And this is not to minimize anyone's loss or grief whatsoever. But this is to just gently remind you that as we navigate loss, as we as we learn to live our life without them here in the physical, that it is so important that we find meaning in our life again. We find hope and purpose. And they want nothing but the best for us. They don't want us to suffer. They don't want us to feel pain and loneliness. They want us to thrive and take life by the horns. <laughs> and... I have a room full of spirit here helping me today, and some of them are quite funny. And for those of you who are listening, no matter when you're listening to this episode, just know that the loved one that you're thinking of is there with you right now, in this moment, as you connect into your heart. And again, as a medium, I know firsthand that our loved ones are at peace on the other side. Their soul journey in physical form in this reality came to an end but their soul is eternal. Our souls are eternal and our souls live on. Our souls cannot die. 
our physical body can die, but not our souls. And that the love you share with your loved one never dies, never dies. That connection is always there. And you don't have to do anything to maintain that connection. You don't have to say your loved one's name. You don't have to think of them all the time. You don't have to do certain things. No, there are no rituals involved, nothing at all. You just need to connect into your heart and feel the love that you have for them. That's it. That's it. That's all. Now, I'd like to give you a few, a few different ways that you can navigate your grief. The first and most important thing is to find the right people who can hold your heart, hold that space with your grief. And not everyone can do this. Trust me, I know. I, I reached out to different people as I was navigating my loss, different losses through the years. And some people would just look at me with that deer in the headlights look, tell me just to get over it. So what? Make another choice. Not a big deal. So what? Big deal. Those are not your people. And what that does is that actually causes more pain. So I always tell people, if you're not able to hold space for someone while they're grieving, don't, don't try to. Just tell them that you're there if they need anything and just leave it at that. Sometimes we don't know what to say to someone. And oftentimes they just need to know that you're there. Whether or not they call, whether or not they reach out, it doesn't matter. Oftentimes just knowing that people are there, that if they needed something, they could reach out and that you would be there for them. That's all they need to know. And so it's very important to have people around you who are caring, who are nurturing, who can just hold space to just let your heart release as you work through your grief. I love this quote from Brene Brown. She said, surround yourself with people who have earned the right to hear your story. We've all done this, where we've shared. And it's not even oversharing. We've just shared with someone who can't be in that space with us. We've shared with someone who hasn't earned the right to hear our story. And that will perpetuate our loss. We could feel silly, stupid, shameful. We could feel guilty. We could feel like an idiot. Why did I tell that person? We just feel so, so vulnerable in the first place. And then if someone isn't able to meet us where we're at or, or hold space for us and just say, I'm sorry for your loss. Oftentimes that's all you need to say. I'm sorry for your loss. Please let me know if there's anything I can do. That's it. You don't have to say anything else. But again, make sure that you surround yourself with the right people. And you'll know because if you're with someone and you are sharing something vulnerable, something that you're working through, such as grief, and you feel safe with that person, you feel, oh, maybe even a little bit lighter. That's the right person. And if you feel smaller, you feel like you have to hide, you feel wrong, you feel bad, you feel ashamed, 
they just couldn't hear you and they're not able to be there for you. And that's okay. Not everyone is. Another way to navigate your grief is extra self-care. And that varies from day to day. There were some days I didn't want to get out of bed. Some days where I thought, oh my God, how am I going to get through this day? There were days when I would get up in the morning, look at the clock and count how many hours I could until I could go back to bed. There's so many different different ways that grief will show up in your world. And it will paint everything. And so I like to give people different tools and, and different ideas as to how to navigate the grief when it does appear, when it does show up. So extra self-care can look at, it can look at, it can look like so many different things for people. Sometimes it's meditation. It's alone time. It's taking a trip. It could be extra sleep. It could be taking a nap in the afternoon. Good nutrition, uh, supplements. It can be physical movement. I always tell people that kickboxing is absolutely fantastic to process anger. <laughs> it really is. It really is. I highly recommend it. I had a client uh, years ago that used to go to the, the driving range. She would get her gun out and shoot. That's how she processed. So finding ways to process those different emotions as they come up. Yoga, um, spin class. I love to go to the gym. I'm a gym rat. Spending time in reflection. Are you writing in a journal? Do you have a gratitude journal every day? Gratitude helps us to... Gratitude helps us to connect into the higher vibrations, the higher emotional states. And from those higher emotional states, that's when we can start to magnetize and draw more beautiful things into our world. Perhaps spending time in nature. I always know when I need, I need to spend time in nature. It's usually down by the water. That's where I like to process. I may cry. I may just release do the ugly cry, make sure I've got lots of Kleenex. Sometimes it's nice to get a massage, get your nails done, get your hair done, go have a pedicure. Sometimes it's nice to go and, you know, maybe buy some new clothes, maybe get a new lip gloss, maybe buy something to beautify your home. Um, essential oils. I love a company called Sage. They have uh, essential oil, an essential oil called, uh, it's a blend called Stress Release. Oh, I just love it. It instantly rebalances the central nervous system. Maybe your extra self-care is joining a class or a group. Maybe it's um, coming up with a, a monthly ritual. I have a girlfriend. She and I always get together the last Wednesday of every month. We either go for a walk or we meet at the mall or we do something. And it's, it's nice to have a standing date. So maybe you can plan some standing dates with your friends or your girlfriends or your spouse or your partner. Extra self-care. And as I'm saying this, anything that's coming to mind, those are your guides and your loved ones giving you a little bit extra support. And so just grab a hold of those. Maybe it's dancing. I put music on and dance every morning throughout the day. It's how I start my day. I get up in the morning, I have my ritual where I, I look at my vision board and I look at my day and my goals and um, what I'm grateful for and I drink water and I stretch. And then mm, we put some music on and we start the day. Music is uplifting. 
And there are so many beautiful, beautiful melodies. And uh, there's a, uh, a new artist that I found recently. His name is Tony Anderson. Oh, his music is just, it's transcendental. It really is. It's just so beautiful. Uh, the other music that I really love to listen to is Liquid Mind. Um, I love Bach. It's almost like it, it's like it's massaging my brain somehow. <laughs> it's just so magical. I love it. Sometimes we just need to sit and be and just sit. There's sometimes when it's like I'm processing or I'm integrating energy and I'll just sit with a cup of tea and look at the look at the bees in the backyard. I have this beautiful perennial in my backyard. It's called bee balm. And it's, if you can imagine, a little, it's like a fuchsia colored ball. And it has about 20 little fingers coming out from the ball. And the bees go through and they go into each one of those little fingers. And it's, it's mesmerizing. It's almost hypnotizing to watch them. I have a friend who is a pilot and I always imagine what it must be like in his office as he goes to work every day flying, flying above everything, flying through the clouds, how serene and peaceful that must be. And so finding different ways, you can find different mindscapes. You can, um, you know, if you like to bathe, I love to bathe. I must have been a sea creature in a past life because I love bath bombs and I love lighting candles and I love burning incense. And so, you know, another another way of bringing more self-care in during your grief is just in daily rituals. You know, every morning I get up and I have my water. Every morning I have lemon water. I have a really good breakfast. I always make sure I have lots of snacks throughout the day. Sometimes I didn't feel very hungry when I was grieving my son. So I wouldn't eat. They felt like days on end. I just wasn't hungry. But I know that my body needs nourishment. Another way that we can navigate our grief, again, is reaching out for extra support. If your grief is not shifting, if you feel stuck, if you feel like it's spiraling, if you feel like it's got a hold of you and you just can't get up from it, then you need to reach out. Go to your family doctor, reach out to a counselor, uh, talk to um, a grief support group, talk to your friends, your spouse, but reach out until you find the right person and ask, ask your soul family, your angels, your team, bring me the right people. I need help here. Please help. Please help. And they will bring me the right. I always tell my team, bring me the means, the money, the people, bring everything that I need to, to bring this into fruition. Bring me the right people. I just manifested the right realtor to sell the house. I'm very excited. Um, you know, bring me the right teacher to help me learn this. Bring me the blueprint to help me learn that. And the same thing with your grief. Bring me the right people to help me navigate my grief, to help me heal my heart. Bring me the right people, the right experiences. Thank you, thank you, thank you. And most importantly, when you're navigating grief, is to be kind to yourself. Be kind to your heart as you're grieving. Again, there's no blueprint. There's no right. There's no wrong. We each have to navigate and work through it in the best way that we can. And again, it's so important to reach out when you need help when it's not shifting, when it's not feeling any better. Eventually, working through my grief, it started to feel better. And I noticed there was, I think it was, it was a couple of years ago, I froze and I, still, I thought, 
I haven't cried today. Wow, I haven't cried today. And it was just, it was, it was so, so mind-blowing, really. In that moment, it was just, I mean, crying every day had just become a thing. And I used to not wear mascara because I knew I was going to cry that day. And so I went and put mascara on. I thought, wow, I can wear mascara again because I didn't cry today. Just look for those little, those little moments in time to celebrate. It does get easier. And if you would like to learn how to connect with a loved one on the other side, do reach out. You can check out my website at livealifeyoulove.org. And if you've lost a child and you would like to learn how to connect with and communicate with your child on the other side, I have a program, a seven-step program that will take you through the exact process that I used myself personally and that I've taught to hundreds of moms to connect you with your child on the other side. And again, you can find all of that on my website at livealifeyoulove, all spelled out, .org. And if you'd like to be a guest on my show, please reach out. I would love to chat with you to find out more about your story and would love to, uh, would love to look at what we can do to share that with, with everyone who is listening. I send you mountains of love, mountains of love, and so do your loved ones on the other side. I'll talk to you very soon. Bye for now. 